now that I know what it means to be powerless, I can hold my power correctly. I can hold that sword with an open hand. In other words, there's a purification that happens in that process. So I think ultimately for me, and especially my sons, it's been about each boy and learning them. Where are they? Because it's definitely not a one size fits all. All right, welcome to a Father's Flame podcast today. We have a special guest with us today in studio, Eric Beck. He is the CEO of Founders Fire. So welcome, Eric. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Greg. Uh, glad to be here. Yeah, so, you know, this podcast is is about, you know, fatherhood, right? And, and, and in some ways, it's just manhood, really. Mm -hmm. um, and so why don't you tell us a little bit about your, uh, your family situation and, and your story? Well, um, I think probably like a lot of people, but possibly um, in a different path, though. Um, I think there's a lot of folks probably hearing this that didn't grow up with a father um, or they grew up with uh, a father who was physically present, but maybe not emotionally present um, or no father at birth or all that. So um, that is essentially my story. Uh, my father was a firefighter. In, in Atlanta, and he uh, took a buddy shift on a Friday night when my mom was pregnant, and um, turned out that that was a pretty big evening. Uh, there was a big fire, um, and he and three other firefighters uh, died that night. About 50 firefighters were injured. There was a huge gas explosion, and, and so that was May of 1971, um, and I was born in September of 1971, so never knew him. Uh, you know, probably knew his voice at some level. I, I like to think so, you know. Um, and then, you know, you grow up in that situation with a mom who has to do everything um, and, uh, and you really are trying to find your pathway, you know, to, to manhood and, and what does it mean to be a man? Uh, that question that all men ask, do I have what it takes? Um, and so since our society doesn't do a very good job of initiating boys into manhood, uh, we have all kinds of uh, distractions, basically, and, and illusions about what it means to be a man. And, and even is it even necessary to initiate men? Um, my wife, uh, and, and I've had many conversations about this because we have six boys. Uh, so that's some interesting uh, symmetry <laughs> to, come, to come back around from, from where I started to, to a household full of eight people. And um, and, uh, and most of us males here, of course. So um, to me, you know, I feel like a lot of us are redefining and rediscovering um, what has been maybe more of the historical wisdom uh, that really comes through and in, in what I think of as, as the archetypes. You know, for, for men, it's generally four archetypes. It's the warrior, the king, uh, the lover or the husband and the healer or the 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 uh, the the technical person, the person who knows how everything works on the inside. So um, when you see those as uh, as toxic, maybe by definition, people tend to these days to say anything that sounds like that is bad. What they're really saying is that they don't understand the nature of the archetypes. And to me, it is a lifelong journey to help explain that uh, to the people that I coach, uh, primarily business, but also organizational leaders um, who want to understand themselves if they're men, uh, or their business, uh, regardless of the gender, and needing to understand how that translates out into creating, I think, a type of work that is a calling 
uh, that is not just answering how do I pay the bills, but it's answering the question of of who am I, what am I here to do, and how is that meaningful. Oftentimes, the uh, the problem winds up being that uh, we see one version of one of those archetypes, like warrior, and when it's way off to the one side, we get the dark version of that, uh, which is the aggressive, you know, bully, the macho, uh, the 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 you know Stalin or Hitler or something like that. And we don't realize that throwing the entire category away is a gigantic risk to the uh, risk to the to the structure of society. So, um, yeah, <laughs> there was a lot right there. A few okay. ideas in that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let me uh, let me piece this out a little bit. You know, and I'm sorry to hear about your father. And I oh, know thank that. You. Thank you. God has used that. You know, and He does say like he's a father to the fatherless and I am, I'm guessing that he's probably giving you some special blessing over in favor over your life. And Mm. he, and then that kind of maybe showed up a little bit with six boy, six sons. That's intense. Good on your wife too. She must be amazing (laughs) for, for God to give you guys six boys. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, do, how do you feel like, because you didn't have like this, example you know growing up to to draw from like as your first kid arrives yeah um, what did that what did that look like for you like where were you getting guidance and inspiration was it or mentorship yeah um well i think that's the thing you know i think that there's a lot of i'm 51 um and so there's a lot of of 50 year olds or whatever out there that are not 51 they're not 50 they're not 40 they're not 30 they're still seven and they're in a man's body. Um, you know, every time I hear somebody blasting down the street uh, or, you know, has to have the right clothes or the cars all jacked up or the, you know, that outward show is to me a, a boy still saying no man ever said you're a man. And this is a thing you can't do for yourself. I think this is where we miss it on the spiritual or the psychological level is we think, well, I'm a man just because I think that I am, or I say that I am, or I'm bigger than everyone else, or I'm stronger or whatever. Um, But then you see these behaviors, you know, where it's like always seeking the next adventure, always the race from the stoplight, uh, whatever it is to get the, the, the big house or to go on the perfect, awesome man vacation to wherever with you know, to go hunting or doom buggies or whatever it is, all that stuff is fine. And I I love all that stuff. But what you often see, though, is that when the boy doesn't have a mentor and and there is not someone outside of your own mind who can then confer upon you, you know, you are this, you know, uh, interesting when Jesus emerges after the baptism, it's, you know, the voice says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased we cannot underestimate what happens there as a category, not just the specifics of it, but as a category, the father has got to say to the son, this is who you are and speak the destiny and speak the life into that person. And when that doesn't happen, uh, the boy, the the man, the immature man um, starts speaking that to himself. And the problem is it doesn't stick. So I got to get a new tattoo or I got to fight at a new karate tournament or I got to get a new woman or I got to get a new job 
or I got to get more money. I'm that it's constantly using everything else to try to answer that core question that never got answered. So for me in my life, of course, you know, I think like everybody, I mean, you just, you're like, dude, I, I don't even know this is happening. You know, you're seven, eight, 12, 13, you get into puberty, there's girls. Uh, you, it, you're just, you're literally just bouncing off the framework of society. You know, thankfully my mom had me in church and there was structure there. I got to hear godly men uh, share their heart. I got to see men cry. Uh, I got to see men be tough. You know, I got to see some of that. It wasn't necessarily in my house in the way it would have been if my father had been there. But um, so there were definitely influences like that. But uh, for me, it was a real process. And there wasn't a moment uh, where it was like, aha, I got it. So, you know, my message to the to the, the to the men out there who weren't fathered or weren't properly fathered is you're going to have what you've heard uh, described as a father wound. And this is either the no father or the abusive father or the and you know, the, the the father who's not capable of fathering because they're addicted or there's some other problem that, that's gone on. And this is where we really do have to stand in the gap. And we just have to say this curse of fatherlessness stops with me. I'm just not going to let this continue. And that's virtually impossible to do because it is literally like creating a boat in the middle of the ocean with nothing. I mean, it's just from a spiritual standpoint, uh, it is really the great journey. The good news is, is that we don't have to just use what we have at hand. Uh, there's a, an entire spiritual reality out there. And one of the things I feel like we've missed is the nature of spiritual tradition, um, especially in the West. In the West, we're all about right now and the future, and yesterday is, is ancient history. Uh, but in other cultures, there's a, a tremendous strength in the idea of the elders, in the idea of what's being passed down. Um, and I think that's important. Now, it can be taken too far, uh, and patriarchy is a thing for sure. I'm not denying any of that. Um, a lot of, uh, of immature men are, I think, blamed for representing all of masculinity. That's just crazy. That's like saying Hitler is the, is the guy we, you know, we look at as some kind of example for all men. Of course not. Of course not. Right. So we need to call the, the, the error error, but we can't throw the baby out with the bathwater uh, because when we do that, we're always in reaction and always in fear. And you can hear that in the media. You know, people address these topics. There's just so much fear, just, you know, soaking the content of what they're saying and so much reaction that you never can get to a solution. Um, I use the example sometimes with my clients, you know, when they've got, let's say, a really upset employee or a really upset customer. I'm like, how would you treat this person if they were sunburned? Would you rush up to them and hug them to show them how much you love them? Of course you wouldn't. Because even though that might be coming from a really good place in your heart, right, it's causing excruciating pain. And so when someone is in that much fear and that much reaction, um, we can't just rush into that situation and say, Shazam, this is this is what's true. It's also the case that our entire society is effectively inflamed, <laughs> um, you know, like like the sunburn, you know, everyone is so offended by every microaggression, every thing you can consider. And, and the problem is, is that we've lost that point of stability. And for me, that point of stability really is about the idea of 
coming into something that is an evolution, that is a progress moment, that is a graduation. And in the topic we're talking about today, it's really about going from boy to man. And so that doesn't happen unless something from the outside can speak in. So I got lucky because I had a few resources and, I, and my ear was attuned to it. I was in the army. Now the army doesn't take boys and make them into men, but it does punch the man card in several areas. Certainly on the side of protecting, on the side of weapons, on the side of aggression and dealing with conflict. Certainly the physical side of that, physical fitness and all that. So there's a handful of of of, uh, of punch holes <laughs> in your man card that you can get from that. Um, I also was a, a lifelong student and still am of karate. And I had several great karate instructors um, uh, of different races, which mattered in my development. My first karate instructor um, was uh, um, was. Caucasian, but my second karate instructor was uh, was African, was African American uh, from California, who studied in Japan right after World War II, and that, if you know anything about the history of Japan, uh, was very very difficult for him to be there. His teacher, who was Japanese, you know, went through all kinds of grief, including death threats and 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 all that, just for teaching this guy. Um, so that really brought to me a whole lot of perspective. Uh, that I, again, couldn't have given myself. Um, and and I, I could give you further examples, but the net result was I kept seeking out what I thought were compelling, powerful men, but not to be fathered, but to ask the question, what can, what can be gleaned here on my path? Um, and I feel like you don't start asking that question till you realize you're incomplete, you know, till you realize you're at the place where you're like, I know there's more to this, I don't truly know what it is. And so I've got to go on a journey to find that. And I would just say to, to everybody hearing this, it's never over. And, you know, you don't get to like the point, you know, where it's like Shazam. And maybe in cultures in the past that did happen, there was an initiation rite or ceremony or whatever it was, the elders gathered around and whatever. But, you know, let's just be honest. One day you're 17, the next day you're 18. You're not a man. It doesn't really even matter if you have 10 guys standing around you saying, welcome to manhood. <laughs> you know, it's a continuum. It's a journey. But I do feel like, though, that we need that outside voice to speak in and to say, you know, I recognize you. So when I got my black belt in, in, in my first my first degree black belt, it was from Katsushi Iwabuchi, who is my teacher from Japan. Um, and it, it, it couldn't have been valuable if I had just gone online and bought a black belt, right? It, it was only valuable because some other person said, you've met these standards, now this is yours. And anyone who's been through a process like that knows when you are about to get your black belt, maybe six months leading up to that, you start not wanting it because you start feeling like, man, Am I really, can I really put that on? Can I wear that? Because I don't want to wear it unless I can really wear it. And you start thinking, oh, maybe we could push that exam off a little bit. You know, there's that feeling of like, hey, this is about to happen. And, and I do not want it to happen unless I am overqualified. You know, if you have a really good teacher, that's going to be for sure. And what my teacher said to me is, 
your black belt exam is not for you to prove you've earned it. It's for you to show yourself you've earned it. We already know you've earned it. We wouldn't let you take the test if we hadn't already decided as a cadre of instructors, you're ready for this. This is your opportunity to show yourself in front of us and the other high ranking you know, instructors. Um, and so that process is something I think in modern society, we have to seek out. And if we don't seek it out, then we're just going to stay that eight or nine or 10 or 11 year old, uh, even though our chronological age keeps moving forward. Man, that is deep. So this aspect of showing, proving to yourself, let, well, let, let's go back to like, you said the initiating boys, right? Into manhood. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did you do a process like that for your, I'm not, how old are, is your oldest? Yeah. Right? So my, my two oldest are out of the house. Okay. They're in their twenties. And then we yeah. still got four at, at home. Absolutely. So can you tell yeah. us a little bit about your process? Yeah. So I, I'm a big fan of Wild at Heart. Um, okay. And, and that, I, I love that. Um, uh, Explain what that is to people that yeah, might not so know. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know about John Eldridge, it's a, a book that I actually uh, didn't know about till I was an adult um, and um, really is what we're talking about, really, which is that there is wildness and danger in the heart of a man. And when we rob that of men, especially boys, and we try to crush that out of them and make them docile little computer button pushing, you know, humanoids, they start going nuts inside. And in many uh, cases, uh, we've just ignored that and said, here, take a drug to calm down or let's go get you some sort of a treatment because something's wrong with you. Um, and, and Wild at Heart really is, and again, this is probably not a great summary, but in general is the idea of there is a wildness inside of us because there's a wildness inside the heart of God. Uh, if you don't think God is wild and dangerous, then I would ask you to really reconsider getting to know God. Uh, and, a and a great way to do it is to immerse yourself in what he's made. Uh, I'm looking out my window right now in Colorado at the uh, about 100,000 acres of national forest. Go out there and you will encounter a different version of God than you get sitting in a pew in an air-conditioned building. Um, the wildness, the unknowableness, the, inf the uh, you know, the infinite God is that's when you touch that, now we're, we're getting somewhere. And I really felt like uh, John Eldridge's book was about that, that there's an inherent wildness, especially and uniquely in men there. Of course, there is in women. Um, I can't speak to that. I'm not a woman, but I'll speak to it from, a, from the man side that what has been caricatured you know, and mocked and parodied has been the the tough guy or the John Wayne or the Patton or or all that kind of stuff. And and I think there's um, uh, a danger, a real spiritual danger to to take a cartoon version of that idea of masculinity uh, and then to throw that out uh, because, see, that's silly and that's useless. Um, it's a little bit of of a red herring because what we're fighting against something that no one really wants to support. Nobody wants an immature man or a, a man who doesn't know how to control his power or his aggression. Uh, but in, in John Eldridge's book, there's a particular chapter I've read to all my sons over and over. I don't know if it's chapter four or five, but it's the chapter where he's talking about the movie, A River Runs Through It. And so 
what happens in, in that book and, and what's very important to me, why I, I, I started Founders Fire wasn't always called that, but in the post pandemic world, I felt like some reinvention was needed, especially in this direction in particular. Um, but uh, the initiation uh, process is one where the boy has to go on a journey. The journey needs to have some legitimate risk to it. Um, it needs to be curated. It's not random. It's not haphazard. Uh, it needs to bring them to uh, spiritual questions that do not get answered by talking about it. And so uh, I love that. As That's a small aspect of the book, but I've, I've certainly latched onto that myself. And you're asking about my boys. Um, we have all been involved in the martial arts uh, forever. So there's a certain type of initiation that happens there. Um, but most recently, I'd say in maybe the last seven or so years, uh, we've gotten very uh, excited about and enthusiastic about Spartan races. So we've okay. done every version of the Spartan races from the sprint to the ultra. Um, I've done a couple of ultra marathons. I wouldn't say I'm a marathoner. I'm not. Um, but I do feel like capturing the physical challenge and that could be hunting. It could be rafting. It could be camping. It could be any kind of sport. All those sorts of things are good. The one thing, though, that I would challenge everybody to think about, though, is if it's not something that really is you versus you, it might be just more fun. Um, again, I love sports. I, I, I do. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with them in many ways. They are filling this exact area we're talking about, which is initiation. But the problem with competitive sports uh, in terms of being a, a placeholder for initiation is it doesn't really put me it, at, at odds with me, you know, you know, we, we're, we're the Steelers and we beat the Cowboys, you know, it's like, okay, great. But what about who's going to beat Eric and where's, where's Eric? This is in the archetypal language um, back to uh, I think the first or second star Wars movie where Luke Skywalker goes into the cave, right. To fight mm -hmm. Darth Vader and he kills Darth Vader and it's, and it's his face. It's just classic archetypal, uh, you know, presentation there that we have to face our flesh. The Bible refers to as our flesh. We have to face the, the, the lesser man. We have to face the, the ego. You can use whatever language you want, but ultimately we have to come face to face with um, if we do not conquer self, uh, we will be will be conquered by self. Right. That uh, uh, holding to me, that is the the major initiation point is not to see how big we are in the world, you know, and you're number one and you got this and you're awesome and fist bump and all that. But but real initiation is to see how small we are. It's a path of descent. And we see that in Jesus life. Right. The pinnacle of Jesus life looks like a failure. He gets murdered <laughs> publicly, brutally. Uh, he's falsely accused. Yeah. Right. When he says, take up your cross every day, what my ear hears as a person who's been committed for his whole life to training in this process of becoming a man. Um, I hear the obstacle is the way I hear do hard stuff. I hear it's not about you getting bigger and greater and more awesome. It's about you getting the going into the refining fire. And, and, and more and more and more is getting stripped away. And you see now your place in this amazing, you know, creation. Um, and that humility is what qualifies you to have power. The last thing any of us ever want is a boy 
with a chainsaw. I mean, like viscerally, yeah. isn't that like, like you've just like, if any of your parents out there are like, oh my gosh, don't even say that. Right, right. We have a lot of boys wielding massive power. And that's a lot of the reason that we see all the problems that we're running into. Um, what we want to do is we want to ourselves go on a journey of powerlessness. You know, the drill sergeant's yelling at you, this, the karate sensei is doing another, say, do another punch or fight this guy you don't want to fight. Uh, you know, any of those types of things where you're really having to face that powerlessness. Now you can start to learn, again, if it's done well, now that I know what it means to be powerless, I can hold my power correctly. Um, I could hold that sword with an open hand, right? In other words, there's a purification that happens in that process. So I think ultimately for me, and especially in, 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 our, in my sons, it's been about each boy and, and learning them. W where are they? Because it's definitely not a one size fits all. Uh, that's also a problem, I think, with maybe historic initiation where it's like, you know, uh, let's say it's, it's a Native American initiation and you have to you know, dive into the freezing river and, and get the the rock called the Pawaka and come up with it. And it's it's what keeps your heart warm. Um, OK, that's awesome. Is that going to work for every boy and it should be uniform for all time? Probably not. And in my own experience, I look at my six sons as six very different people. Um, and I tried to, as a father, look at what is needed here. Uh, my second son, Aiden, my first son's name is Judah. My second son's name is Aiden. Aiden is the guy who will say, whatever you can do, I can do better. You know, he is just that classic competitive, you know, and it's, and it's awesome. It's great, right? Judah is in many ways a lot more like me. He's a lot more intellectual. He's a lot more philosophical, right? Well, they needed different things, you know, to bring them forward. Uh, but they needed the same categories. So while this, the categories are important, the specifics I think are different. And again, I know all of us today suffer from, man, where do I even start? How do I even have time? And I, I would just say one of the best things to do if you're a father and you're thinking about how do I help initiate my sons into manhood, regardless of their age, you're like, oh, my son's 30. No, he's not. If he's not been initiated, <laughs> he's still 15 or something. So it doesn't, it, it's not like a too late moment. Um, but to really just ask that question uh, really with them and just go, hey, son, what do, you, what do you believe it means to be a man? And just having the conversation, you know, um, sometimes we got to go back and repair things that we missed as dads. That's our, you know, our burden as a father is certainly for me has been, what did I not know to do? You know, what can I learn? You know, how can I, how can I, you know, kind of, avail myself of this but you really can't you know get this without without the the external you know being around other men being around other older men um and of course the enemy wants to get in right there and to say you can't trust any older men they all you know build up their own kingdom and fall you know they have these problems and this problems there's this disqualifying spirit that's out there and there's truth in that you know that there is truth in that but if we don't learn how to hold that tension of, yeah, this guy's got feet of clay, but I have to look to someone in front of me. Then we wind up getting stuck. And now that curse of perpetual, I would say, adolescence is rippling down through the culture. Um, and I think that's what, you know, some people are like, what are young men so angry about? 
That's what I think they're angry about. No one's showing them how to be who they have it in themselves to be in a way that's grounded spiritually, grounded morally, and not about just using your power to take advantage uh, for yourself. Wow. So if someone is 30, 40, 50, they've never mm -hmm. gone through this process. Um, how do you, you said you sought it out like this knowledge, but what, what does someone do? I guess, you know, like, mm -hmm. cause you have to, it's almost like you have to have someone else speak that into you. You can't or mm -hmm. speak it to yourself or. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's those F's, you know, all the F's you were listing before, yeah. before you went Faith, on. Faith, family, finance, fitness, maybe it fashion is. and firearms. It's, <laughs> and it, it starts with just taking ownership of those things in your yeah. life. You know, That's it's great. like, uh, you know, I got out of the army. A lot of people, lot of people have this story. I got out of the army. Uh, and when I didn't have the structure of the army, uh, then I, I, some of my disciplines went by the wayside. Let's talk about fitness. So I'm six foot four, uh, so I'm not a little guy, uh, but I was way bigger than I needed to be um, and, and got to about 250 um, and started having a lot of health problems. Uh, I was in my mid 40s and, you know, back issues, sciatica, all kinds of stuff. And it was like, hey, you are not taking ownership. And I just needed to, frankly, man up and go like, this is on nobody but me. This is totally on me what I'm eating. And what I'm doing is not about um, a, a long-term vision. It is about short-term relief. And so I'll just throw that one out there for anyone who's struggling in that way with maybe extra weight or something like that. I'm not a doctor. This is not medical advice, blah, blah, blah. But what I did was I started drinking water when I was hungry. That was a huge eye-opener for me. If I feel hungry, first, before you eat, drink a whole glass of water. That taught me that I wasn't hungry. I was tired or I was thirsty, but it wasn't hunger. So the, the trigger to the behavior was misaligned. I had a feeling and I thought it was hunger, but what it actually was, was I was thirsty or I was stressed. Starting to do those, pull those things apart in that way, I think is what the Bible talks about when it says pulling down strongholds. Now, we think of the Bible as a moral book, which, of course, it is. And it would teach you if somebody leaves a $20 bill on the table, you just don't walk up and take it. That's stealing. OK, right. That's what we learn in vacation Bible school. But let's go a little deeper, a la, you know, Hebrews 5, where it says there's milk, but then there's also meat. Meat is in the stronghold category. This is a pattern of thinking that presents a righteous choice that leads to an unrighteous result. For example, I feel hungry. Well, that's righteous. There's nothing wrong with that. I eat food. There's nothing wrong with that. Where's the problem? The problem is that when it's a stronghold, I don't know that I am mislabeling stress as hunger. And so then what do I do? I feel stressed. And then I translate that to I'm hungry. Let me go get a sandwich. Let me go get uh, you know a drink or something. And so for me, it was starting to go, hey, I just got to take ownership. You know, I'm way overweight and I got to get this thing under control. My back's killing me. And it actually happened when my son, my oldest son, Judah, who was about 17 at the time, actually said, Dad, I saw this thing. And it's like it's like basic training. 
and it's called a Spartan race and you crawl under barbed wire and climb over walls and stuff. We should go do it together. And I was like, oh yeah, okay, okay, whatever. And, uh, and we, we did, he and I and Aiden, my second son. And again, just, and I have shared this in my TEDx uh, talk. So this is, this is uh, out there in the public domain, but um, it was pretty shameful. You know, a Spartan sprint is about three miles, give or take. It's a 5K. Okay. Um, and it took me four hours to do this course with, I don't know, 15 obstacles and some hills. It's not super easy. But um, that was one of those moments where I was like, Eric, hey, this is not you. And we all have to have some of those. So I feel like in part, life is going to say those things to us through maybe friends or circumstances or our own health. And then once it does, the question for us is, am I going to man up? Am I going to say, look, there's clearly something here that's a stronghold that needs to be torn down. And then you start looking at other people to go, who else has torn this down? You know, if you um, if you pick up the Spartan way, uh, which is by Joe DeSena, his book on Spartan race, you're going to read a lot. You can see why that would resonate with me. Once you read it, you're like, ah, look at what he's talking about. So I feel like you look at the deficiency in your life and then you go seeking who has conquered this deficiency. You know, is it laziness? Is it, uh, you know, uh, blaming other people, um, you know, for a portion of my life? Uh, I was the guy everybody felt sorry for. You know, oh, your your dad died and you just did this and you're poor and this. And and I didn't realize that I started adopting a mentality of the have not. You know, uh, the only way I can succeed is if somebody else, you know, gives me charity. Um, and it took a long time to even know that was operating. That's a stronghold. Like we all have these strongholds that are not about individual moral decisions, like don't take the $20 bill, but they start to be ab about an entire way of thinking. So, you know, for your, your audience or whoever's hearing this is saying, I'm not really sure I got fathered all that great. Maybe you did have a father, uh, but I, but some of the stuff you're talking about, Eric, I don't, I don't know if that's there then I think that's a good cue for you to go start looking. There is a literature, not all of it's, you know, Christian, but there's a literature that exists out there and it's growing about a lots of people coming to this conclusion of like, Hey, the, the role of being a man, a, a spiritually grounded, moral, strong man. Um, I got a kick out of what I've seen Jordan Peterson say recently yeah. on the being dangerous and you need to be, you know, all that stuff, people are, you can feel the whole culture is trying to get to terms with, we can't just have emasculated males who, you know, just float through society like little robots or something, you know, um, there's something that's not right, you know, to our spirits about that. And I'm not talking about gender equality and, and, and the, the correct, uh, coming of age of, of people getting treated the way they should be treated. So this is a totally different topic to me. Sure. That, that's about basic fairness, right? So this is uh, though back into the, the core of as we all discover who we are um, and we wrestle with labels and boxes and categories, what we've got to come to grips with, I think is that it's not self-definable. That's my problem with the whole thing that's happening now around all this is that 
it's self-referential. You have a seven-year-old telling you, this is who I am. Yeah, which is wild. Right? It's like, okay, yeah. well, just step back a second, though. Ask the question, can they do that? You know, I, I, you, you, you don't let someone operate on your own family. You're a doctor, you know, your, your kid gets sick. You, you rush the kid to the hospital and you say, I'll do the procedure, <laughs> right? Any medical staff worth anything is going to say, no, you won't actually, because you don't have the perspective. Okay. So if that's one person, a parent to a child, and you're saying you don't have the perspective, isn't it then incumbent upon us to realize we don't have the perspective on ourselves? If we don't have the perspective on someone we love like a child, how do we have this omniscient perspective on us? We don't. So see, this is what's missing in the initiation is that the initiation by definition is from the outside in. And yes, it is, it is replete with possible abuse. It absolutely is. To your, your F on firearms, that's also replete with the possibility of abuse, right? Everything done out of alignment, you know, with its design is going to produce destruction. Exactly. But, so we can't say then the solution is to get rid of everything or to put a safety lock on the world. You know, it, it's yeah. like that the solution is to know how in maturity to handle the things that are dangerous with a righteous heart. It's it's not to put all the scissors away and hide all the swords and hide anything that could ever possibly harm you in any possible way. Well, um, I like the idea, like the father's flame, like fire. Yeah. So fire yeah. in a fire pit or in the chimney, right? The yeah. fireplace is yeah. awesome. And it, it provides such a like um, a need for like cooking or a, your yeah. basic warmth. Uh, um, but yeah. fire outside of those bounds let let That's loose right. in the wild is pushed by wind and pushed by whatever. That's you know, right. I've seen that personally being a firefighter, you know, for oh, right I just retired last week. Oh, my man. Well, thank you for your service. Hey, yeah, it was, it's been a good career. And, but anyways, the fire side of it is so devastating and dangerous and take, could take life. Yep. Um, but within its proper bounds, then it's a great thing. It's a, yeah. you know, like you're saying, yeah. Uh, yeah. having the skill set, and you were yeah. mentioning this earlier, yeah. it almost, you didn't say this, but there's like two sides to the skill set, uh, mm -hmm. using it inappropriately or right. with, in just a fleshly, like, Right. evil way. And then there's the like using everything in a proper way, like um, a skilled way, like wisdom that when used in that fashion, man, it is, it's powerful, it's useful and it ble it's good for other people. Yeah. Um, that's the thing. So I think if it's in service, you know, service to yourself that we know where that's going to go, but when it's in service to others, and I think that's really what you want to ask your sons, you want to say, you're growing in power. You know, you're growing in stature. You are. For what? I think that's absolutely key. What's the power for? Because if it's if it's not defined, like you said, it's the fire outside of the fireplace. You know, so I think even with your, you know, my youngest son is is eight. You know, we have conversations about that. You know, um, when you feel angry, 
do you do you feel your fists clench? I know I'm saying this to him and his fists are clenched, right? I'm like, <laughs> do you feel that your fists are clenched? He's like, yes. And I'm like, all right, what is that for? We have got to name it. We have got to know it. We have got to address it. And be careful, fathers out there, that you disqualify yourself from addressing it because you're not perfectly that thing. Nobody is. No, no, but that's not the standard is not perfection. The standard is I'm on the path. That's what I've loved about my time in the martial arts is the idea of, of you don't ever get there. You're on a journey and you're always going. You're on the path of mastery. Uh, nobody worth their salt would ever say I'm a master. If whoever says that, you just run the other way because that person perfection. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's like, we no, never no, attain no. it. Yeah, no. I... We are aiming at it. We're growing towards that. You know, and when when you have that question about purpose, I feel like whenever the purpose of something is not known, it's almost inevitable that it'll be abused. What is the purpose of masculinity? What is the purpose of power? What is the purpose of, to use your example, fire? Um, well, uh, if we don't understand the purpose of it, um, it's going to be very hard to redeem it. And that's really what we're all here to do. We're all here to redeem things, to, to bring them in and, and keep them in order and in alignment with how they were designed. So if we don't discern the design and we just go through life by default, then we do wind up with a lot of these head scratching problems to go like, how in the world is this even a thing? Is this a thing? Well, I love you know, that. It's like it is because when when you abandon the position of influence in the culture, then then you know I, I'll give you the short story and we head to some of some of the topics we want to. But you probably have heard this one before. It's not original to me, but apparently there was a village in Africa. I don't know if it was Kenya where it was, and a lot of these male elephants were kind of coming into the village and just wreaking havoc, flipping over cars and smashing roofs and just kind of running amok. And they had brought in different people to try to ameliorate the situation, do this and do that, blah, blah, blah. Finally, they got a hold of some elephant specialist who was like, let me come out and see. And he toured and kind of looked at everything, took uh, stock of the herd. And he was like, oh, I know what it is. And they got a helicopter, you know, with the big hoist thing. And they went 100 or 200 miles away and they got a big old male senior bull elephant. And, and, and he was like, this is your problem. And they just brought the big male in and dropped him off. And within a day or two, all the nonsense went away. Interesting. You know, like when you rip out that father role, yeah. then you see all the young males don't know what power is. They don't know how to behave. And this whole idea of this personal sovereignty, everybody just determines everything that's right for them and it's self-referential and self-defined. I mean, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that's gonna be absolute chaos. You know, we are not blank slates from the standpoint of we get to reinvent all of reality. No, there's a lot of reality already defined. And within the structure of that, we can flourish as individuals. But if we reverse that and we say there is no definition of anything, then what do you see? You see absolute pandemonium and destruction. And that's simply because, hey, where's the big bull male elephant <laughs> to, to swing that trunk around a little bit and say, cut it out. <laughs> that is so interesting. Like, 
you, yeah, you could see people gravitate towards gangs or some kind of association to things yeah. that are detrimental. And yeah. we saw that in the last even couple years, you know, the people rioting and, yeah. and just and getting behind like political parties and, and yeah. other movements that to, it just don't seem like they have the best purpose, but they yeah. found a little bit of purpose in it to yeah. get out that aggression, you know, it, it does. It does. It does. And again, I think all young men want to fight the noble fight. Yeah. You know, uh, it doesn't look the same. You know, somebody might be doing that by composing music. Somebody might be doing that by boxing. Like it doesn't have to look identical. Right. Yeah. But to deny it, though, uh, that's where I think it causes so much psychological harm. And then you have, you know, uh, people who don't have any bearing. And that is, a, you know, just if you just think about that. Uh, in a will, I've done a lot of wilderness survival uh, courses and, and certifications and whatnot. One of the things they say is that often when someone is lost, they go in circles. We, we've all heard that, right? If yeah. someone's lost in the woods, they're going to wind up going in a circle. Well, no one ever usually says why. Why a circle? Why don't they just keep going in the wrong direction? The reason is because our legs aren't the same length. It's and the shorter leg, mm-hmm, the shorter yeah. leg takes a smaller stride, and you will go in a circle in the direction of your shorter leg. And it usually is about a mile or three, depending on how old you are and how big you are. It's a it's a one to three mile circle. Uh, now I'm making that motion with my hand to the left because my left leg is shorter. Um, and it's like, yeah, it's like, that's what happens. When we get into a panic and we lose our bearings and we lose our perspective, we're gonna amble down to a core weakness. And that's what you see happening when we've lost perspective on where we are and who we are we just it's called regression to the mean you know everything regresses down to that lowest common denominator which like you said is kind of tribal you know sure. what what group can i get behind and just be angry because i got to be angry about something something's wrong i don't know if this is what i don't know if this causes it but hey yeah. you know it's uh, they say it's the the you know fight or flight but there's also flock as protecting a fear, the flock as, as a fear yeah get in the flock you know and just go where the flock is going yeah so, yeah interesting i know you talked about know your purpose or it will be abused and yeah as once you said that it really is like going through my mind how you like even in proverbs right i've been reading yeah. that every day for almost or most every day but for like mm-hmm. 10 months or mm-hmm. and and it's you hear this search for knowledge this search to get understanding this yeah. then it, then once you, as, as you're getting those, you get wisdom, which is really means skill, like the ability yeah. to implement the, yeah, yeah. the, this, the knowledge and the understanding. And, um, and, uh, that's a big part of this podcast is really to just bring out some of this knowledge, like what it is to be a man. I don't feel like I grew up in, uh, a home necessarily where I, I gleaned a lot and I had my dad with me. I just feel like we didn't have a, that great a relationship. Yeah. Um, I learned uh, for sure some great things from him, yeah. but I, I have like this emptiness of a treasure chest of knowledge to like pull yeah. from. Here's what a good dad does, Jeff. Here, do, yeah. do what your dad did. And it's like, yeah. well, if I do that, we uh, my kids yeah. may be estranged or I, yeah. I'm not with them. I didn't. So I'm learning to find my purpose right through yes. the Bible and what God has like taught yeah. uh, there. And sometimes like we read the Bible and we don't even get that, right? Or just, um, but digging in more, it's what is exactly what you said. What is the purpose of a man? Right. Mm-hmm. Cause I have responsibility to my, to my God, to my wife, to yeah. my kids, uh, yeah. employment or to your, your business. Yeah. And, uh, 
getting people to know their purpose mm-hmm. as I found my own, like I am just more cylinders are firing is what I would say in this car yeah. that I'm driving. Yeah. It's getting a little more tuned up as I've also yeah. lost yeah. like, uh, actually like 45, 40 pounds since All right. the right beginning on. of the year. And awesome. I, I think that's a big part for guys getting yeah, that fitness is. down. Um, and in your faith, family, fitness, whatever it is, have like a mental, uh, plan yeah. in each of those, you got to do something every single day yeah. in those, in those areas, in those arenas. And so yeah. I really am enjoying what you're sharing about mm. getting your, your mindset to mm. either seek out the men to speak into your life or get the knowledge somewhere because you need to know what you're designed for. That's and right. I think yeah. you'd agree with me that like God desires men, you have a purpose that is so powerful to the family. Mm-hmm. Um, it is not the same purpose as a woman, yeah. although you are equal. Sure. Like it is, it's just a great purpose of leadership, right? And, and, yeah. and focus and eyes yeah. fixed in a, in a direction. And I think we need to walk in that skill where yeah. our wives seem to be able to handle so much more with their, like, mm-hmm. um, I've heard before their spaghetti brains and their multitasking <laughs> abilities. Right. And yeah. then we're well, just, they just drive you us know, crazy. It's, um, you know, equality is not sameness. Yeah. I think that's what gets missed. It's like we're equal, but not the same, you know, to yeah. try to make everything the same would be to make everything, you know, uh, monochrome. That's not, there's no beauty in that. You know, we want all of the colors. And I think what you're saying about purpose is so important because most people's purpose has been taught to them in a school system. I can say this as a teacher, um, uh, where it's really designed for behavior control. It's not gain, It's not designed for skill acquisition. So come in and sit down and be still. Let me teach you numbers and let me teach you how to read and write. I'm gonna to try to teach you what to think. I'm not gonna teach you how to think. Uh, and when you're 10 or 11 or 12 and everything in your body wants to go outside and climb a tree, but you're told to sit down and be quiet, then you're, you're subtly being shamed for the thing that's most natural, which is I need to learn this powerful body. And what do you think happens when somebody from the time they're four till the time they're 18 is told all those urges are bad? Well, guess what? They do something bad. Why are we so surprised? Oh my gosh, there's a school shooting. I'm so surprised. Gosh, what, you know, and the neighbors, what do the neighbors always say? He was so nice and he was so nice and I'm so Mm, surprised and blah, 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 blah. It's like, okay, well just take this little boy and tell him, minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day for his entire existence, anything that is not sit still and be quiet is bad. Hmm. Well, guess what? For some of us, that's going to explode later. That repression and suppression of the purpose and the design is going to create the perversion, which comes out in some cases, not all obviously, as a violent act. And while we can talk about all kinds of video games and this thing and, you know, the, the diet and the social group and all, all, it is a complex issue. I'm not trying to reduce it down to one thing, but I do want to make sure that we recognize that when we do not allow for the growth, the proper handling of what's already there, then it almost always gets perverted, you know, instead of saying, Hey, you know what, when, um, when you're five, six, seven, eight years old, is it the priority to teach you grammar? 
Now I've read this in a book. I don't know if this is true. So nobody yell at me if this is not exactly accurate, but it seems to be anecdotally true in my life um, that if you were to take a child and not teach them any of normal school, but instead teach them um, how to build, how to measure uh, physical fitness, how to cook, how to clean, uh, how to uh, you know properly install a shower head, you name it. You just went through basically what we would call the trades, right? How to, how to build a fire, how to build a debris shelter, how to stitch a wound, how to, how to, uh, you know, how to navigate in the woods, how to look an adult in the eye and have a conversation. If you just taught them all that stuff for kindergarten through their sophomore year, that now they have the intellectual ability to learn all of the academics in two years. Hmm. So you get to the same finish line academically at 18, except instead of dragging it out over 12 years where it doesn't fit the season or the intellectual capability of the child, you would allow them to actually grow in all of the ways that will make them a great person. I'm not down on academics, but I'm saying most of what we've done is create a structure that teaches people what to think instead of how to think. And in particular with men, and I'll do that same list again. They don't know how to fight. They don't know how to protect. They don't know how to start a fire. They don't know how to hunt for food. They don't know how to stitch a wound. They don't know how to put a fire out. They don't know how to do a CPR. They don't know how to assess a, assess a casualty. They don't know how to handle the things you're supposed to be able to handle to feel like you're an adult. We've ripped all that away from them and said, oh, if there's a problem, call the police. If there's a problem, go to the doctor. So we've like outsourced at such a high degree that it makes this person literally impotent. You see these studies that come out now and talk about the levels of testosterone That's in right. today's 20-year-old versus a 20-year-old in 1950. Yeah. It, it is literally emasculating them because we're not thinking in this, I think what's what would be called the more um, the wisdom that's embedded in who we are. And so we're abusing ourselves because we don't know our purpose. We don't have that capacity. I'm not saying we don't need doctors or lawyers or firemen or policemen. Of course we do. Of course we do. Yeah. But that's not an excuse for a lack of the basics. You know, I don't need to understand everything about a chemical fire and how backdrafts work. No, I don't mean that. But I mean, yeah, if my house is on fire and I don't have an escape plan, I don't have the ladder, the chain ladder that goes out the top floor and we don't practice that every you know, six months or so, we have a safe place that we meet up. If, if that is just looming in the back of my head, it's like, yeah, if there was a fire, I'd have no idea what to do. Or yeah, if somebody broke in, I'd have no idea what to do. Or my car breaks down the highway. How many I have no ideas situations does it take to bring a low level to a higher level of baseline anxiety and true self-doubt and it's like well no wonder you doubt yourself you don't know how to do anything you know how to sit still and be quiet and play the economic game of get good grades to go to school to get in debt to get a job to go into more debt and to work for who knows who for who knows how long that is a game that is not worth playing. And I think if we 
reorganize that and we start to say, look, all those things have their place, academics, advanced studies, all that. Of course it does. Of course it does. But if we're missing the purpose question um, at the core, um, and I think that that's answered uh, to me uh, in community, it's answered primarily by getting outdoors. Mm-hmm. I think it is. It's answered by helping other people. You know, oh, my teenager is so depressed and they're this and that. You know what? Take them to a soup kitchen. Take them to an old folks home. Go go somewhere and get your eyes off yourself. I'll never forget going to uh, a, a convalescent hospital or a convalescent home. And a woman there, was she had to be in her late 80s. Um, and she didn't have any family. You know, nobody ever came to see her. And I went there with a youth group. And I didn't want to go like any other teenager. I was like, oh, I don't want to go here. Why am I here? And when I got there, I was like, oh, it smells terrible. I, I definitely don't want to be here. But someone had asked me to bring my trumpet. And I brought my trumpet. And I, they were like, would you play something? And I was like, I, didn't, I don't know what to play. And they're like, play anything. And it was as though, you know, Gabriel <laughs> came down with this golden trumpet. The light in her eyes, just because somebody was like, here's something I have that I can give to you. I don't expect anything in return. You know, how did I feel for the next month after that situation? Like amazing, because it wasn't about making me feel amazing. It was about doing something for someone else. I just feel like those fundamentals, those basics, when they're reestablished, people flourish. It's not really complicated, but when they're systematically removed, we we tend to see some of the, the challenges that we're seeing. Man, that is so great. I know, uh, it's fascinating what you're saying. I think of this scripture that's, I think it says, um, my people perish for like the lack of knowledge lack of knowledge, yeah. and like our society is struggling for a lack of knowing what we were intended for. And yeah. there's this part that we are just given the system that we come into. We don't know. Yeah. yeah. I just start going to school when I'm in kindergarten. Yeah. So yeah. what am I going to do? And then I'm told to behave and yeah, sit in the, you know, don't let your energy out. That's only at recess. Right. And, uh, yeah. So, yeah. And then uh-huh. it only works for the people who are the the superstar athletes. You know what I mean? If you yeah. think about it, it's like, okay, great. You know, 50 people are going to make the football team. What about the other 500? You know, it's like, there's no, you know what I mean? It's like, you're either a star. Yeah. Or what do just, they do? Or you're nothing. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's like, and again, I don't want to paint with too broad a brush. There's millions of teachers all inside yeah. of every kind of school, private, parochial, whatever, that are doing a great job. And, and, but I'm, I'm not, I'm not criticizing any teacher. I, what I'm trying to say is if we step back and look at the system they're in, it does the system promote the, the discovery of purpose. I mean, do you come out of high school and say, I now know more who I am than I did four years ago. Do you come out of college saying that I know who I am and whose I am and what I'm here to do? Probably not. It's the opposite. You, you almost know, you have, have to like, party. yeah, you almost have to take it upon yourself, right? Yeah. To put energy and effort into yeah. those areas, whether it's reading. I like yeah. what you said. Go seek out the people that have that skill. Yeah. You don't yeah. have it. You don't know how to hunt. Yeah. Well, you probably know someone that does. So exactly. go, go learn from them. And you know, uh, if you go ask people, I, this has been my experience. Uh, some of you guys, if you're a little bit younger hearing this, if you find somebody who has that skill or whatever, don't be nervous because my experience has been if you ask somebody about that stuff, they can't wait to tell you. 
you know, you oh, go up to somebody and say, you know, I've never really understood, you know, how such and such works. Uh, I've never been to a shooting range. I don't, I don't know anything about guns. You know, would you mind to take me shooting and just teach me some of the basics? Um, you know, it's like, it's not like you need to be intimidated. I've never written a book. Go find an author. You know, you might write to 10 or 15 authors and not hear back. Somebody will reply to you sure. go, look, I'm, I'm considering writing a book and I just really love it. If you could just give me some pointers or whatever. That's one of the things I think the internet has, has, it's a way that it's harmed us because while you can type anything into Google or, or a search engine and try and find stuff, it's, it's cut us off from doing that with a person. Clip. Um, oh, wow. If you think Clip. about this, there's probably very few things that we possess that we know anyone who made it. So I'm looking at my desk here in my office. I have no idea who made this desk. I have no idea who drove it in a truck to Office Depot or wherever I got it from. I have no idea who designed it. Like it's completely cut me off from who produced it. And it's just now a commodity. And what happens in our soul when we, you know, we're talking about we're designed for community, right? The ecclesia, the body, it's, it's, it's not a coincidence that that was the analogy. <laughs> it, it didn't have to be that analogy, but it was the body of Christ. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't the brain of Christ or the personality of Christ. It was the body. Um, all, every part needs each other. You, one part can't say to the other, I have no need of you, right? Well, what happens in a society where virtually everything that we possess is systematically disconnected from the creator of the thing? There is now no longer a personal exchange of value there is only this strange, disconnected transactional exchange. Same thing with knowledge. I'd far rather learn about fire from you than just some person on YouTube or some article on the internet. And again, I, I, I don't want to make it sound too extreme, but in many ways, the way knowledge is disseminated now is much more about the entertainment value and the attention grabbing value of of the presentation than it is the content itself you know fake it till you make it used to be the phrase now it's like no no just fake it faking it is making it and it's like no it's not it's not great for you to have the spray tan and to be you know fantastic plastic but real humans need real humans and the you know i, I love this whole thing about you know, if you are faithful to deepen the message, God will be faithful to spread the message. I feel like we just got that totally reversed. We want to go a mile wide and an inch deep. And it's the, you know, again, not to not to kick anybody's, you know, um, reputation here, but I'll just pick on Walmart. You know, you don't go to Walmart for quality. Generally, you go to Walmart for for things being cheap. Well, planned obsolescence is an idea of I'm going to build a product that I know will break in six months. So you'll come back and buy another product that's happening in the knowledge economy. I know you'll only pay attention to this for five seconds. So I'm designing it that way <clears throat> so that it makes you want more and more and more like a mouse, right? That's in the, the, the BF Skinner, you know, uh, classical conditioning experiment of how often will it press the lever to get the food pellet? It's like, that's what's happened with knowledge is it's been put into an entertainment context that's about holding attention. And, and what is that doing to us? Um, it's making a lot of us depressed. It's making a lot of us anxious. It's making a lot of us compare ourselves in ways that are just ludicrous. So like it's, it's causing so much harm, this little experiment we've done for the last 10 or 15 years, 
Yeah. That I think what you're saying is right. We are perishing for a lack of knowledge because what we think knowledge is, is really entertainment. And what it does is it winds up leaving us hollow. I don't feel like I got something. I feel like it's a vampire. You know, you go into Instagram or Facebook or someplace. You're sure. like, yeah, it's kind of fun. But how do you feel when you're done? You don't feel full. It's like eating junk food. It tastes great. But afterwards, I just feel sick and I still feel hungry. I want to get a more, you know, I want to plow through another bag of chips. It's yeah. like, yeah, eat something with some real nutrient value in well, it. And compare and that. Cool. <laughs> yeah. And compare that to like, say you have five, 10 people over to your house and you're laughing and sharing stories and, and you had a memory now where that's yeah. something social media doesn't give you a memory with someone else, right? That you can right. go back on. And, and exactly. that's part of building relationships, which is also... Yes a struggle in society today is our relationships yeah. are kind of winding down in, in, in the quality and how much, you know, and I'm, I'm guilty of that too. Yeah. And you, you see that we're trying to create this society where I actually don't have to buy your goods. I don't even have to like go to your store. I can just right. sit on my couch and keep watching right. my shows and yeah. it's all this isolation stuff, which, yeah. you know, he, he, um, there's another proverb about that. Like he, yeah. who's, isolates or secludes himself is like bringing himself harm. Yeah. Um, which yeah. it would be a trick of the enemy. Exactly. You know, there's safety in like that cord of three strands, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's safety in the flock. Yeah. Um, I want to dig more into those things, but I have this pressing thing I need to ask you. Okay, man. Okay. So <laughs> with your knowledge and skill, um, if you are going to design like an event, like a weekend or even a group, mm. right? And it probably would be four men and you might already have this, uh, <laughs> but what, what does that entail? Cause you're going to have all these like hundreds or maybe men or thousands that yeah, yeah. are, you said earlier, um, you have the father wound, you have some that are mature and they, they, they did it right. Or what, it just worked out right for them. Yeah. Um, and you have people all over the board. What does Eric design in say a weekend event mm -hmm. or an ongoing group? That's uh, such a great question. Uh, and it's really been on my heart for quite a while. Um, so at Founders Fire, we do retreats. They're not exactly what you're talking about. It's it's more for the entrepreneur on the journey, on their epic journey. So it's more calling oriented for the small business uh, you know, founder, um, where we take you through some really intense coaching. And yes, it's physical. Uh, so there's some fun uh, games that we play, but they're also, you know, you're going to, I like to say it'll be fun, but it might hurt a little. Um, but, but let me answer you. So anybody's interested in that, they could go to foundersfire.com and check that out. But let me okay. give you the bigger answer though, because the, the real answer is um, this is the direction that I'm going in personally uh, and in taking my business in is exactly the question that you're asking. There's some, there's some, there's a technique that I use at our current retreats that I want to share with everyone. Uh, and maybe some of you guys may want to implement this too. Um, I think we talk too much, just in general, um, especially in the Western world. You know, it's all about knowledge. It's all about blah, blah, blah. So we do a technique that's uh, that I designed called physicalized learning. And um, it's 20 minutes of a big idea. And then it's an hour of the physical version of that idea. And I'll give you an example of how we do that. The hour has got really no instruction in it. It's just doing something the whole time. And in a way that's fun and and whatnot. After that is some time to sit down and journal. So I want to I want to connect what I did physically, 
with that big idea. Okay. And then I want to list out two or three blockers from implementing this at the level I want to in my life. Then we're going to get into groups of three or four people and we're going to mastermind that problem. And then we're going to go put that in our, we have a software program called master plan that lets you actually implement it in your life. And that is a block. Okay. A, a chunk. That model has been, I've tried it a bunch of different ways over the years. And, and some of that's from different experiences that I've had that we've talked about earlier. Um, but I've really wanted to find a way to get it in deep for people. And I ran across some research. Um, do you know, the guy has a podcast. His name is Huberman. Can't remember what his first name is the Huberman lab. It's um, he's a, um, a researcher, at, I think at Stanford, um, he kind of runs in the same circles as like Jocko Willink and um, uh, Joe Rogan and some people like that. Dr. Anyway, Andrew Huber, Huberman. Andrew Huberman, that's who it is. Okay, so I, he popped this quote out, I think sometime in the last year, and I almost fell out of my chair. I, I you know, we all have a, have a um, uh, confirmation bias. <laughs> when someone says something we want to, we already wanted it to be true when they say it, they're like, yeah. Well, I, so I, you know, full disclosure, I totally had that. But he said that, when you teach something the traditional way, it's about 400 repetitions to get it. But if you were to teach it in the context of a game, that goes down to 22 repetitions. I knew that was true, <laughs> right? <laughs> but when I was like, yes, right? That's what I tried to do. All right, so here's how it goes. We're gonna talk about vision for your life. You were talking about purpose earlier, all right? Yes. Let's talk about trajectory. If I'm gonna throw something, right, I have to go backwards, to go forward. My hand, I have to go backwards. In this case, it's a spear. That's what we do. We do a spear throw. I go backwards with that spear. I get my body in a certain position and I move forward and move that hand forward. And then I release that spear and it goes forward. So we may spend 20 minutes talking about a lot of what you and I talked about today, your purpose, your life, your trajectory. If you don't know the purpose of something, you're likely to abuse it. All those good ideas, right? The big idea, yeah. 20 minutes and we're done. Now, what are we going to do? Do we're going to get into, this is like 20, 30, 40 people. We're going to get into five lines of 10. Everybody's got a spear. We're going to spear throw for an hour. I'm going to bring in somebody who was the champ. Uh, uh, Spartan Spartan race has a spear throw in it as okay. one of the obstacles. So I'm going to bring in this guy who was a points leader for all Spartan race in like 2018 or whenever. He's this beast of a guy. Um, and he's going to teach you guys all how to throw a spear like you've never done before. Okay. Uh, and we're going to start off very short to medium to long to, all right, let's have some fun and compete a little bit. And it's an hour of throwing spears and it's hilarious and fun and it's got all kinds of goodness in it. All right. Now sit down, stop talking, everybody sit down, be quiet. What just happened? What did you learn about your life's trajectory? Did you go back to your heroes when you were young and ask yourself, what are the attributes of those people? that resonated in my heart. Because if I'll go ask that question, I realize that those attributes of my heroes are who I have it in myself to be. So am I in alignment with the trajectory of, like it says in Proverbs 20, verse five, the purposes of the human heart are like deep waters, but a man of understanding draws them out. That's what we're gonna do. We're gonna draw out those purposes, this little process that we do, you're going to throw a spear and you're going to think about, is it about how hard I throw it? Is it about how well I transfer my weight? 
Is it about that release? Is there the moment when I have to let go? There's so much wisdom in play. Well, we're going to journal about that for a little bit. You might want to walk around. We're going to be out in nature. We just did this retreat a few few weeks back, actually, if, like a month ago, actually, um, here in Vail, Colorado. Uh, we do them all over. We, you know, it, it needs to be somewhere awesome, you know, not too hard to get to. Yeah. But um, all right. I probably had some pretty big ahas in that process. Now I'm going to get together with two or three people. I'm going to say, I want to tell you where my life is not in alignment with my trajectory. I want to tell you where my relationships or my business are completely taking me on a different trajectory than the attributes of who I have it myself to be. And I want to tell you where I'm flat out stuck. And you get two or three other human beings to take the next half hour to help you problem solve that. That is amazing. That's and great. That is awesome. That is what we do. Um, and I haven't done one that is just for men. Um, but there's, uh, but that's coming, that's coming for real. So I would design a weekend like that where the it's spear throw, they're going to start a fire. They might build a debris shelter. They might do some land navigation. Uh, they might do slack line, you know, stuff that's physical, but not like you have to be some kind of pro athlete to do it. I feel like though, if we do not include the body, then we are not including a major part of the way God speaks to us. You know, uh, the research even shows us now that our brain, our, our, our intellect, essentially, our intelligence is a lot more distributed in our body than we thought. We have more neurons in the lining of our stomach than we do in our brain. So when someone said all these years, man, I, I kind of got a gut feeling. So there's a lot we don't know. <laughs> so when we stray too far from the way God put us in, in this world and we get all super mental and we just ignore our body, golly gee, that's just all bad and that's just vanity. I don't think so. I think it mattered that Jesus physically was crucified. It's not a metaphor. It is a metaphor, but it's not just a metaphor, right? I think the physicality, especially for men and Again, that's probably true for women too, but I've just as a male, sure, man, if you are not in relationship to your body, if you hate your body, if you say things like my bad elbow, dude, your elbow is not bad. You did something to your elbow. Something happened to your elbow. You need to start rehabilitating it. You need to get it back to function. Our body is not rebelling against us. When we sit for eight hours a day, our body is saying this ain't right move me around. You know, we make the mind the master and we just ignore the body and pop the pills to try to just ignore the pain. And so I would just encourage everybody, you know, wherever you're at on your journey, uh, you don't need to be an athlete. It's not about that. It's not about vanity and having your six pack abs for Instagram. It's not, it has nothing to do with that. Let me ask you this. How much energy do you have? How much mobility do you have? Can you get down on the floor and play with your kids or grandkids and hop up? You know, are you strong enough for two? If your house is on fire, could you carry two people out that are unconscious? Oh, no, golly gee, I have to dial 911 and wait 18 minutes while everybody dies. Well, maybe you should lift some weights and get something going, not because of how you look, but because you have a role to provide. You know, no one's Superman and it's not that. So don't let the pendulum swing too far. But it is about reclaiming your birthright. There is a strength to masculinity. That's our birthright as men. And we are we have been systematically shamed about it. 
because of the abuses that have happened that I'm not winking at or saying, no, it wasn't. Absolutely, those abuses throughout history have been there without equivocation. But that's not the whole story. The story is it's not about getting rid of power. It's about knowing how to properly and justly you know, administer that and use that for the service of other people. So I feel like the physicalized learning, that part of it is a big part of it. There's some other fun stuff to do, uh, particularly when it's men. I definitely want to have the conversation about about conscious sexuality. And, and we need to go into some of those other categories about what does it mean? Because when it gets hidden and when it gets, you know, let's don't talk about that. Uh, then there's, you know, we have all the problems. And so the, the sexual side of masculinity, the power side of masculinity, the, the desire to achieve and accomplish, all of those different uh, aspects would need to get addressed in one way or another. But um, yeah, okay. that's near and dear to my heart. That's near and dear to my heart. Well, thanks for sharing all that. That is, yeah. that is intriguing with uh, learning by doing. That makes total sense. Um, I want to, and for the sake of time, just briefly, yeah. Yeah. you keep bringing up something that I don't think a lot, uh, a lot of men are maybe possibly are doing, okay. which is you said journaling in your events. Yeah. Can you briefly just mention that, why yeah. that's valuable? Oh man. Okay. So first of all, um, you have got to get it out. So let me just do a funny little short analogy. When you wake up in the morning, I mean, and just, we're going to be blunt here. So hide your ears if you're, if you're sensitive, <laughs> What do you do when you first get up in the morning? First thing, first thing, you probably go to the bathroom. Okay, why? Because your body's been processing all night. It's time to let that go. Hey, that same thing is true emotionally. Okay, when you get up in the morning, you need to process emotions. Now, men, we're not taught to do this. And I don't mean to, that you're, well, it's about talking about it. So here's what I do. I have a journal called my poop journal. I have a journal called my victory journal. They're two different journals. I open up the poop journal. And I just let her rip tater chip. I can't believe this happened. I'm so bummed. Blah, 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 blah. And I just vent. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I'm confused. I'm a big old loser. I, everything I'm trying right now is not working. Let it rip. Okay. I don't know. Five minutes. Okay. Now here's what you're going to do. Reread it. Probably will still feel most of what you wrote. Then I want you to turn back 30 days. So 30 days ago, read that day's entry. I bet you'll laugh. If you can laugh, I want you to tear it out, wad it up, and throw it away or burn it. Oh. Okay. You just flush the toilet. It's okay to have that negativity. It's okay to have that anger. It's okay to have that frustration. It's not okay to hold on to it, though. So for me, journaling is definitely on that side about letting it go. On the other side of it, the victory, you know, uh, enter his courts with praises and thanksgivings, right? Right. It's like, you got to celebrate. And if you're writing and you're like, man, I don't have anything to celebrate. I am write this. I don't know what to celebrate. Keep writing it. I don't know what to be grateful for. I keep just write it over and over. I don't know what to be grateful for. Eventually you'll probably say like, well, I guess I'm grateful. I have a hand to be writing with. Yeah. The gratitude is just a matter of paying attention. If someone says, yeah, I don't really have much to be grateful for, they're just saying I'm not really paying attention. You know, so practicing gratitude, practicing flush the toilet, to me, I think is wildly healthy. And it can take 10 minutes. You got five minutes of one thing, <laughs> five minutes of the next thing. It's not dear diary. You know, I know some men are sure. like, oh, my gosh, right? Am I writing about my emotions and how? It? No, I'm not saying that. 
just go to the bathroom and celebrate some high fives and some fist bumps. That's a great place to start. So good, Eric. That's awesome. Well, I hope you guys receive value today. I feel like I just got like, you know, a free hour of coaching from uh, a man with great amount of wisdom. And I wish we could talk longer. Um, but if you did get value, share this out, hit like, and all you men out there, just remember you need to be putting energy and effort into these categories in your life. Take what you learned today, uh, put energy into your, uh, faith, family, finances, and fitness, and become a better man so that in six months, you, you know, yourself from six months is going to thank you for the effort and the little bit of change that you did today. So yeah. that's it for a father's flame podcast. We'll see you on the next one.